the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Firing Line with Philip Naiman. The Firing Line radio show is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, CCW Safe, Cutting Edge Bullets, Vortex Optics, Vortex, The Force of Optics, and by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. And now your host, Philip Naiman. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. Welcome, Firing Line. This is Rick Travis, the Director of Development for the California Rifle Pistol Association, filling in for your host, Phil Naiman. And today's guests that are going to be with me are Kevin, who is coming from the CRPA, who's in charge of our grassroots operations, and Sam Paredes, who is the Executive Director of Gun Owners of California, to talk about, well, the subject of the week, the month, and possibly the year, not COVID-19, but the presidential elections. Sam, welcome aboard. It's a pleasure to be with you, Rick, as always. Um, I, uh, I hope you are doing well. And if you're doing anything like me, you're tired, beat up, um, and, and other things that only uh, some liquid uh, assistance would, would help to solve. <laughs> you know, Sam, 20 years ago, we had an election in 2000. And I honestly thought after the debacle in Florida, you know, watching people with oversized magnifying glasses looking for hanging shad and everything that went on with the litigation that we... America would have learned from that and would have had a better election system than the one where we watched what I'm now calling Mickey Mouse News since the mouse bought Fox News, you know, claiming that Arizona's clearly in Biden's camp and then it's not in Biden's camp. And it's just been a very weird election season to see, you know, the New York Times saying, no, we're not going to deliver these states to the Democrats until they've actually won them, where traditionally we would have thought they would have done that and not Fox. But also look at the ballot box. I mean, it's just, it's an amazing view of America when you look at the counties and the different precincts across the country and seeing where the games are being played. Uh, Rick, um, if if anything is true, is that uh, sometimes we just never learn. Uh, There there are a lot of states that, that should have learned. I think Florida did a pretty good job of, of coming back from their uh, very embarrassing setup and situation, but it, it seems like uh, the, the whole Northwest, Upper Northwest and other states didn't pay any attention. Uh, you have states like Texas and, and Louisiana and Mississippi and Alabama and now Florida that were able to handle all of the early ballot counting no problem, got their, their their votes in in a timely manner. Everybody knew what was going on. But these other states, it was like, what do you mean early ballots are coming in? And why should we count them ahead of time? We're going to wait and count them afterwards. 
oh, we didn't know that this was going to be the highest turnout election in the history of presidential elections. Uh, you know, we don't have enough people to do this or that. And, and you know, the, the toilet's clogged and the sink is overflowing. And, and we don't know we don't know what to do. So you guys are just going to have to wait for us. We're going to take the rules that have been established by our legislatures, which is what the Constitution allows is for every state to run their own elections. But it, they have to follow the directives that are set by the legislature. A lot of these rinky-dink uh, elections operations are making up their own rules as they go along um, because they they were too short-sighted to see what was going to happen uh, this election year. So, yeah, it's it's a... Um, it's an unqualified mess out there. Yeah, you know, one of the things, uh, looking at Arizona, and I forget the exact number, but it was well into the high five, low six digits of just like military ballots that hadn't been collected. And looking at how these different population segments tend to vote, but that's not an absolute. And I find it ironic that these pollsters are out there saying, oh, well, all the early voting is going to go to Biden or all the, the military votes are going to go to Trump, which I think there may be some evidence of that, but then it's also these mystery, you know, vehicles showing up with all ballots just for one candidate. And that just strikes me as being very similar to, I I don't know, a Hugo Chavez election of where, yes, I won 100% of the vote. Nobody voted for the other guy. I just, I don't buy that. Yeah, you're, 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 you're absolutely correct. The one thing that we those of us who are, are participants in the political process and consumer consumers of political news and information and generators of information have learned that the, the, the pollsters, by and large, as a class, are totally uh, out of sync. Everything has changed so much that their paradigms, their procedures, their, their uh, operations can no longer accurately reflect, well, I, some would say they've never accurately reflected. They've always been more to, to nudge or to guide as opposed to a reflection of how people felt. Um, but they, they, they're, they're irrelevant. There are one or two polls nationwide that, that, that were uh, accurate or semi-accurate. And, and the fact of the matter is because of the way we're voting, you know, you'll, you'll notice that we heard nothing about exit polling. Correct. Because there were no exit, exits. Everything was, was, was mail-in, or the vast majority was mail-in. So they used to rely so much on that, and now that's that's out the window. So they're out there in the parking lot, walking in circles, going, what truck just hit me, and, and, and what are we going to do about it? And they have no idea what they're going to do about it. So uh, as a part of the political process, the whole polling industry has now become an advocacy industry and not a, a, a reflection industry. Um, and, and that's that's what I expect they will continue to be in the future. You know, I made the remark earlier about you know Mickey Mouse taking over, which is Disney, uh, Fox News. And one of the things is, you know, I, being upfront, have used Fox News for you know the better part of a decade as one of my primary uh-huh. news sources. And one of the things I, I found shocking this time around, and you could just see the change was listening to the pundits, listening to everybody there, and like you said. They would they would comment, oh, we couldn't do exit polling because of COVID-19 in various states. And obviously, various states have various levels of how they handle COVID. Um, and I'm not going to comment on that at this moment. But one of the things I found ironic was at the same time, like here in Southern California, you know, oh, we can't do exit polling because of COVID. Yet 
the polls would have been conducted at a movie theater that other than on election day is closed down to us accessing for COVID. But somehow when it's election time and the governor of California wants to collect more ballots, there is no COVID at the local movie theater. And so you can show up at the Pantages or the Palladium or wherever and cast as many votes. And a lot of people just showed up to vote so they could go to the Palladium for free. Um, It just seems like it's skewing the process in many, many ways. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. You cannot look at anything any differently. There is no nonpartisan, bipartisan, um, fair and balanced um, uh, approach to uh, the, the electoral process right now. It, it, it doesn't exist. It is one side against the other. Which one does the best job of organizing and, and which one, uh, you know, it, it wins and which one is defeated? That's that's. That's what it's boiled down to. I mean, we're, we're looking right now at a, a nightmare situation of lawsuits that are being filed, and I'm not criticizing lawsuits. I think the lawsuits are absolutely appropriate. I sure as heck wish that the Supreme Court would have taken on uh, a, a couple of cases that were filed with them a couple of weeks before the election and given some guidelines to prevent the disaster that we're in that spills all the way over here to California. Yeah, the you know, they went way crazy for, for Biden. Uh, but in the legislature and in local races, um, it, it's still a uh, it's still a mess, man. And and we're going to have to live with this for elections to come. Yeah, and I think that's one of the messages I want to get out to the listeners is as we talk today. One of the messages that both Gun Owners of California and the California Rifle Pistol Association want to push and push hard is payback is only about nineteen months away. And we have a chance to to really move the dial, even here in California, which I know a lot of people who I talk to are depressed right now. But there are some critical races that we're going to talk in this next segment about where you can see where our efforts um, have really started to pay off. And we have a big chance during the midterms to really turn this around. But I think we also need to be able to educate our listeners of start looking, because just as we say what happens in California goes across the nation, what happens in Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Nevada, Arizona on our borders will also try uh, be attempted, especially under this governor, to be replicated here in California. 100%, man. And that, that's, that's an absolutely perfect thing. And, and um, one of the message that I want to convey to people is that if you are a supporter of California Rifle Pistol Association, Gunners of California, trust us for the information that we provide. We do all the push-ups. We do all the hard work to develop accurate information and provide it to you. Our, our, our job is not to get you, um, you know, uh, ginned up in, in phony operations. And, and when you look at some of the races out here, you're going to say, well, we never had a chance. But we will talk about why it was important to be involved in some of these races, even though the, the, the it was, they were long-shot odds. So, uh yeah, that's, this is important. It's, a, it's an honor to be working uh, in cooperation with, with you, Rick, and, and CRPA. No, it's it's always wonderful working with you, Sam. And I really, I'm excited and chomping at the bit. So we're going to close down uh, this first segment, but we'll be back in just a moment with Firing Line Radio to look at what's going on in the political results here in California that impact you directly. Hey, folks. Every week, every single week on the Firing Line Radio Show, our conversation revolves around zombies, firearms, huntings, gun rights, and all the great things afforded to Americans under the Second Amendment of the Constitution. Our faithful companion in the battle to uphold these rights 
is a longtime sponsor, Vince Torres at Bullseye Sports Guns and Ammo in Riverside. Now, if you're not armed for protection or recreation, well, shame on you. You head on down to Bullseye Sports, see what's left, all right? You've waited a little bit long here. See what's left. Get what you can. We're going to talk about different options coming up. And get yourself trained because the safe and efficient use of your firearm is almost as important as having a firearm. Check them out at bullseyesport.com, 951-823-0211. Visit their their website, bullseyesport.com, 951-823-0211. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick. Welcome back to Firing Line Radio. This is Rick Travis, your guest host. I'm the Director of Development for the California Rifle and Pistol Association. With me today is Kevin Small, our grassroots manager and advocacy manager, along with the great Sam Paredes, Executive Director of Gun Owners of California, and we're now going to come back and focus on Election 2020 here in California. So, Sam, we both got involved in a lot of the races from congressional districts to the state Senate to the state assembly, even a couple of local city races. So let's start to break that down over the next few minutes and talk about where we're at in this wonderful world where if you're up by 2% and you're a Democrat, they've called it. But if you're up by 4 to 6% and you're a Republican, as of this morning, they had yet to call it. <laughs> Where would you like to start? In the House, in the Assembly, the Senate, local? <clears throat> Let's go with the House and we'll just work our way down the line. Cool. Cool. So um, in, in the House of Representatives, um, all of our organizations, in, in, in CRPA and Gun Owners of California, on our federal side, Gun Owners of America, on the federal side, NRA, uh, we were involved in, in multiple races endorsing candidates. Uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 14 candidates in particular, 14 races. And um, some of them were, um, some would say are long shots, yep. and truly they were. But uh, these are the races that, that we think are important to invest in for the future, uh, helping candidates to, to develop a, a name recognition and, uh, and establish themselves as candidates. One thing that our founding father uh, at Gun Owners California, Senator H.L. Richardson, said in his book on confrontational politics is that when you are involved in an election, win or lose, if you don't come out at the end of the election with a residual, with something that you can use to advantage, additional name ID, additional donors, additional list of volunteers and activists, uh, 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 email list, or, or some a grassroots operation, if you don't come out at the end of an election, win or lose with that, then you shouldn't have been involved in the election. But I can tell you that that is exactly what is happening with a lot of these races that we're, where we lost, we're, we're developing lists, we're developing, uh, uh, you know, uh, for the future. But um, frankly, we protected some important races. Uh, Congressman Lamalfa in the first, uh, uh, Congressman McClintock in the fourth, Great, great victories, uh, especially McClintock. They came after him in a very big way. Spent a lot of money. And that's why I wanted. That to, yeah, that's why I wanted yeah. to point out too is that you know the amount of money. This has been a David and Goliath fight, and I know Kevin, who's with us, 
has been working on this at the you know volunteer grassroots level. You and I tend to take more of the the helicopter view, and Kevin's down with the troops in the mud and the dirt making this happen. And I think one of the things that we got to do is make sure people in California know it's exactly what you said. We're building the farm team to push back and take back the state. Yeah, and this this isn't anything new. Um, you know, this is how politicians have been cutting their teeth in California for years. Um, you know, California used to be a red state. Now it's blue. It didn't just happen overnight. Um, so, you know, when you look to switch something back, you kind of have to use the same means in order to do that. It, it has been tradition in California for a while uh, for Democrats to vastly outspend uh, the Republican candidates. So we didn't really see anything new um, in in that area this year. But, you know, creating the tools for yourself to push yourself forward is something that's certainly being focused on. And I think that we're accomplishing that in a lot of places here in California. Yeah, and one of the things I think that everybody has got to remember, I know Sam, you and I have talked about this before, is for those of you out there, it says, yeah, but we can't flip this state back to red. California started out as a blue state. It started out as a democratic state. And on several occasions, we flipped it back red. So we've done it before, and we'll do it again. You're you're absolutely correct, uh, Rick. You know, people don't remember uh, 30, 40 years ago, we were we – were, uh, um, well, it was it was different in that a lot of the Democrats were what they call the blue dog Democrats now, fairly conservative, but still it's gone back and forth. The pendulum has swung, and it's always been completely on the liberal conservative uh, 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 pendulum. It's gone back and forth, and it will go back and forth again. The left is now so bold that they're going to push so hard and so far that when that pendulum comes swinging back, it's going to be hard. And I think we saw bits and pieces of that in the in the propositions this year. I, I agree completely with that. Uh, let's move on to the state Senate. Okay. Oh, and by the way, we still have uh, three seats, Young Kim, uh, 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 Steele, and Isa, that those look like they're going to be solid winners. Uh, in, so we, we, we did a good job, and those were uh, open seats. Uh, yep. Very important for us to be involved in. So and, I, and I think that's a, a good point that what I was trying to say earlier, if they had the DEM next to their name, I think they would have already been declared by the percentages are up. But it's because it says GOP that they haven't been, which is not ironic and it has not been lost on me. Doesn't it make you feel like they've got some squirrels out there uh, rooting around for additional ballots that they can find <laughs> well, and open up the process? Yeah, that's yeah, what you know. that's what happened in the last Young Kim Gil Cisneros election. Uh, I remember being very excited to see that Young Kim. Um, had the vote that she needed on election day last time, and then a couple weeks later, uh, they turned it around and said that you know we voted in Gil Cisneros. So um, nothing certainly to hang your hat on yet. We want to wait for the final decision, but it, it is looking a little bit better this time around. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Okay. Did you say Senate or Assembly? Yeah, let's go to the good old state Senate because it's a smaller group to play with. It, and I'll save the, the Assembly for the next segment. Okay. Um, in the state Senate, we uh, protected um, Senator Daly up in the first. He uh, probably one of the strongest defenders of the Second Amendment. He's a shooter, uh, a farmer and rancher. Um, An amazing and, mentor to a lot of people. Yes, absolutely. And uh, he, he won very well. Um, there were one, two, three, four, five other races that we were um, involved in. Uh, and um, uh, 
two of them, three of them were were would qualify as the long shots where we're building, um, you know, for the future, and right. and that's that's an important thing. But uh, there were two others that that we were there to protect um, good votes, and it looks like uh, as of right now, uh, Scott Wilk in the 21st, who is not a perfect pro-Second Amendment candidate. There's no question about it, but his opponent, Kit Mueller, is an absolute enemy of the Second Amendment, and Correct. this is a marginal district. Um, he is ahead, and unless the squirrels are successful at finding additional bags of, of votes, uh, it looks like he might squeak out a victory, and that's an important save for us yeah. so that we at least have a voice on the floor uh, regarding the, the, the Second Amendment. So, and then the the other race, which was really disappointing, was um, in the 37th. Um, uh, John Morlock, who was an incumbent, uh, was pretty roundly defeated by David Min, um, and and, uh, and so that will be turning over. And, and Morlock was a again another solid defender of the Second Amendment. He was a member of the Public Safety Committee and was always friendly to us and gave us opportunities to speak uh, what, and say what needed to be said before committee on with regards to the Second Amendment. They spent a ton of money going after Morlock because he was a massive pain in their side, and and uh, they were successful um, this time. So uh, uh, that, that's, a, that's a sad situation. So we got uh, two victories out of six races that we were involved in. We lost only one seat. That's that's uh, that doesn't change our situation in the Senate very much. Yeah, and I want to come back and talk about Morlock's campaign because I know Kevin and I were both more intimately involved with that one down here on the ground game. Um, because I I think there are some solid lessons that we can share with the listeners that will be impactful as we move towards the midterms and towards the twenty four elections. So we'll be back with Fine Line Radio in just a few minutes to further explore the election results of 2020 and tell you, as a gun owner, how you can become more of an activist, more involved, and help educate your neighbors. Have questions about handgun safety, local sports shooting events, or your Second Amendment rights? Just ask Vince at Bullseye Sport in Riverside. Get practical advice. No sales pitch. Vince is a straight shooter when it comes to sharing his advice and years of gun experience. Whether you're a seasoned gun owner or a newcomer, at Bullseye Sport, they welcome everyone, especially ladies considering a firearm for the first time. When they go to our store, we want to give them something that they're going to feel comfortable with. And if you're looking to purchase a gun, ammo, or accessories... If we don't have it, we will get it for you. For all the answers to your rifle and handgun questions, just ask Vince at Bullseye Sport. 951-823-0211. Bullseye Sport in Riverside, proud sponsor of the Firing Line Gun Show, Saturdays at 1 p.m. on AM 590. Follow Bullseye Sport on Facebook for your inventory updates or call 951-823-0211. 951-823-0211. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the Firing Line is brought to you by CCW Safe by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. Spartans! Lay down your weapons! Persians! Come and get them! This is Rick Travis with the California Rifle Pistol Association. I'm the Director of Development, filling in for the great Phil Naiman here on Firing Line Radio. And today I'm honored to have with me Kevin Small, the advocacy 
uh, manager for the CRPA, as well as the executive director for Gunners of California, Mr. Sam Paredes. And Sam's the executive director, not Kevin. Um, so I want to talk to you all about moving into the assembly, but we were just talking about John Morlock, state senator, who looks like he's not going to get another term in this election. And I really want to get into something, Sam, that has been frustrating beyond belief. I know for you, for me, for Kevin, and that is the attitude of the California GOP. And what I keep seeing is, you know, we have realized that when CRPA and governors of California stand in the pit with the Democrats and we fight even in these long shot elections, we do do two things. One, we're building up our candidate. And two, we're draining their coffers because they spend an enormous amount of money just to get their candidate back across the line. But what I saw in Morlock's thing is here come the Democrats with their war chest. And the GOP is like, oh, this isn't even a contestable election. There is no way we can lose this. And they don't defend it. And to me, that's just reprehensible. I mean, you've got to have less arrogance and more of that spirit of we're going to fight tooth and nail for everything we have. And we're going to look to gain ground. And I just don't see it out of the GOP. Uh, Rick, that's been a, a criticism that uh, my boss, Senator Richardson, had uh, forever and ever and ever, was, which was one of the reasons that he created Gun Owners of California and Gun Owners of California Campaign Committee, was to do all of the things that the party didn't do. Um, it, the, the party hates it when we remind them that from 1975 to 1982, back when we started this operation, uh, Gun Owners of California actually gave more money to Republican candidates than the Republican Party did. Now, Things have changed. We cannot do it that way anymore because people hated that we did that, so they changed the laws and the rules to, to make that impossible for us to do anymore. But the fact of the matter is that you have to look at every player on your board. Sometimes that pawn on your chessboard is every bit as important as the, as the queen or the rook or the knight, and you've got to play those those players. You've got to take care of them and guard them. You cannot ignore any of them. And unfortunately, for whatever the reason, um, that has happened, and we lost a very important uh, member of the legislature uh, to, to what I think is a lackadaisical attitude in, in assuming that, that they were safe. You know, it's amazing what you can do when you throw hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars into the race, and nobody fights back, you know, so... Right, and, and, and I'm going to bring Kevin in to talk about fighting back in a couple of minutes, but one of the things that, you know, is really frustrating to me is even within our own groups and, and the people that support us and follow us, which we're always appreciative of, is people, we are constantly looking, because as Sam just said, and he did it so perfectly, we have been winning over and over throughout the decades, and the opposition keeps changing the rules to limit us. But if you notice, we don't give up the field, we don't walk away. We get creative, and we find new ways to bring the pain back to them and be a royal pain in their rear ends and gain background, and we need you to stand with us as we do that. So, Sam, let's talk about the assembly. Okay. Okay. So we were involved in 37 races, and um, we were victorious in 21 of the 37 races, and a lot of them were uh, were incumbents, but like I said earlier, we had to go to to protect incumbents. 
who were our supporters, not only because they are our friends and they've proven to support the Second Amendment, but because we were not going to leave anything uh, on the table. And so we made sure that gunners, uh, gun owners uh, in these districts knew who these candidates were and they, they got involved and, and supported them. So um, it, it was all the way up and down. And, you know, for people who say, oh, you guys are just a Republican organization, that's a load of sheep dip. We, we supported and, and, and helped to elect uh, several pro-gun Democrats who have been champions of the Second Amendment. Exactly. And so that criticism just falls off the table. So go away if that's what you're saying. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that it, there are more Republicans who are running for office who support the Second Amendment than there are Democrats. And we are about the Second Amendment, whether they are Republicans or Democrats or... Or independents, because I think we have an independent that we helped get across the line. Yes, we did. We did. Uh, Chad Mays. Uh, there was... Uh, um, you know, for whatever you, you you think of Chad, he he's a solid pro Second Amendment vote, and we had to go out and help him make sure that that he won, and he did. So uh, he's got a track record. Um, you know, the other side came with with tons of money. Yeah, uh, they, and hey, wait, I want to ask a question, Sam. Was all that money from just our fellow Californians, or did a large, very large proportion of that come from out of state? Well. Um, it's funny you ask that. <laughs> it comes from all over the place, in place, including places outside of the state of California. It comes from people who have a whole lot more money than you and I have. It will, it, throughout our combined careers, putting all of the money that we've ever made into a bank, they make a thousand times more money, and they choose to be involved in elections. So uh, contributing $100,000 here or a million dollars there, and they don't give them directly to candidates. They give them to to the county parties with kind of a wink of the eye saying, yeah, we kind of wanted to go to this candidate race and, and, and that candidate race. And, of course, the, 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 the parties lovingly accept these very large checks uh, so that they can pass them on to, to candidates. Uh, so there are independent expenditures where uh, people can give, contribute as much as they want uh, unlimited amount of contributions as long as they don't coordinate with the campaigns. Wait, wait, uh, wait, wait, <laughs> Sam. I thought McCain and Feingold stopped that way back when. We're like, you could only give so much money. Are you telling me people found loopholes? Well, this is the, the McCain Feingold was affected the, the federal races, but the, in California, we're talking about the wild, wild west, man. Uh, yeah, they, 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 they created the, the loopholes. Right. They, they created in law and statute so that they can drive, you know, 18-wheel Mack trucks through it with 40-foot trailers filled with all of the money they, they want in order to be involved in, in, in political action. And, and although they were largely successful, we won uh, 21 races. So out of the 80 members of the assembly, um, we have at least 21 members that are uh, strongly supportive of the Second Amendment, and and that's important, but that's one quarter of the body. Um, but I want to head on something that, I mean, I know you work very closely along with me, but also with uh, Roy Griffith, our lobbyist, and with Kevin. And one of the things that we've all been talking about is, while that may seem like a, a really small minority, both in the Senate and the Assembly here in California, those my, small minorities have really set the governor up on some of the heinous things he's done since the legislature closed 
to try to get bills passed in a, an alternative emergency way because they stood up and filibustered. They did things to drag it on to prevent anti-2A legislation from getting out of either of the houses. And so while we may not have a majority, we have enough of a, a doorstop, a cork, whatever you want to call it, that still has some fighting teeth to it and has been effective. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, 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 and we work with them and they work with us. And that's why it's important for our members and supporters to stay engaged with us because that is their direct ability by supporting CRPA, by supporting gun owners in California. It gives us the direct ability to stay in communication with these people so that they can fight on our behalf uh, and we can help them in any way uh, possible. So uh, that's a really good point, right? And well, uh, really what's in, what's also important here is to understand that these aren't just words. Uh, the proof here is actually in the pudding. Um, you know, aside from all of the the pieces of legislation that was stopped, but prior to 2020, we had two straight years where there was actually pro Second Amendment le- legislation passed in California. Uh, this is a this is a direct effort of this minority. So you know, this isn't something that a few guys on the radio are just talking about. This is something that is actually effective and has been happening recently very true thanks for pointing that out that is that is a fact and and like we say here at gunners we like to make sure that our our friends and supporters are armed and informed with the the right information and the truth and that's that's what we do that's what we're 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 all about yeah as we come back into this final segment we're going to be talking about the grassroots movement that both of our organizations put on and the attitude we need you guys to have because all of us at Gunners of California, the California Rifle Pistol Association, and our allies all run on a two-year campaign cycle. So while many of you are like, wait, this one isn't even over, yeah, we still have a foot in this one, but we're also placing our other foot in moving towards the midterm elections, which are less than two years away now. And so we're going to be talking about that game and the attitude and what's going to take to continue to win. We'll be right back with Firing Line Radio. Hi folks, Philip Naiman from Firing Line Radio Show. If you're a concealed handgun carrier or have a firearm to defend your home and are forced to use your weapon for self-defense or the protection of a loved one, you'll be glad to have CCW Safe on your side. CCW Safe provides and pays 100% upfront defense funds for high-quality attorneys, expert witnesses, and the investigators you need following a critical incident with no reimbursement. And they do it all for one flat yearly fee starting at $179 a year. CCW Safe has permit and non-permit plans to protect California residents in this state and while traveling across the country. So check out their new ultimate plan with no caps on criminal and civil defense, $1 million for bond coverage, a dedicated million dollars for civil liability, and many other benefits. You defend your life. CCW Safe will defend your freedom and financial future. In California, CCW Safe has got you covered. So join now at ccwsafe.com. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. Conan, what is best in life? To crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentation of the women. That is good. Welcome back to the final segment today of Firing Line Radio. I'm Rick Travis. I am the Director of Development for the California Rifle Pistol Association. Joining me today here is Kevin Small. 
He's the advocacy manager for the California Rifle Pistol Association. And with us is Sam Paredes, my good friend and colleague and fellow fighter for your rights, up with as the executive director with Gun Owners of California. And now we're going to come and boil this all down between the three of us and you. Just imagine you're sitting here with us in the studio as we talk to you about how you can become involved in this fight that is already starting for the midterms in 2022. So, Kevin, what are some of the things that CRPA is doing throughout the state? I know, but I want you to tell the people um, to already start to prep for that new election. Well, I think that there's going to be a lot of emphasis on education. Obviously, uh, we have, you know, our chapter program that is all up and down the state and continuing to grow. Uh, what it's really bringing to the table here is a massive grassroots outreach effort to educate the public. And, you know, I, I think that we've seen our political system be so polarized uh, to the point now where you know, one side of, of this equation is going to want to live and let live. The other side of the equation is telling people literally that they are evil. Uh, so it's it's really important to uh, enter humility into that conversation. And, and, you know, with this pandemic going on, I think that a lot of that crossover has happened uh, in the form of people wanting to protect themselves. You know, when when you know, the need to protect yourself is theoretical. Uh, it's really easy to have a polarized view. But when that situation becomes real, which it has in 2020, um, you, you start to think a little bit deeper on it. So, um, you know, while this is happening, our our chapters and, and along with our education departments have really been pushing this idea uh, that everybody can get Behind. And I think that that ultimately is what the Second Amendment needs to carry, not just in California, but the entire state. It was put in our Constitution for every citizen of this nation. Uh, so I think drawing closer back to that and really bringing the Second Amendment up on people's pr list of priorities uh, going into the, the 2022 elections is going to be important. Yeah, I think there was a deafening silence, and I think Sam would agree within the national debate as we headed up to this election over the last nine months on the Second Amendment, which was sad um, because it's obviously been a vital point. But I And I think one of the reasons is the Democrats realized that many of their people, including in what's generally looked at as a liberal left-leaning Hollywood, actually went out and purchased firearms for the first time. And I know we've been seeing them in training. I know Sam and I have discussed that we've been seeing them throughout the state. And one of the beautiful things that Sam said earlier in this show was, you know, the Second Amendment truly is about both Democrats, Republicans, independents, and every other party because it's an American right. It's not a political party right. And so, Sam, let's let's talk about that because, you know, we have, depending on who you talk to, between, you know, a little over a half a million to over a million new gun owners that tend to be predominantly female and predominantly center-left. Yeah, Rick, um, we have to do everything that we possibly can in our power to reach out to those people who are new gun owners um, and and invite them into the fold, accept them, offer them assistance, because the fact that they've made that giant leap to say that, okay, it's time for me to, to protect myself. Uh, I realize that I am my own first line of defense, and when things go bad, I have to take care of myself. Now is the time for us to go and say, hey, listen, um, there's some training available for you on how to protect your home, how to protect yourself, how to use your firearm, how to clean it, how to store it, how to do all of these things, and, and it's, it's available to you uh, at low cost or no cost. 
and and we have to invite people by giving them opportunities because you Rick you and I know all we have to do is get somebody who's not been a shooter we get them to the range and we get them to shoot and all of a sudden they become shooters right and they love it. and 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 it becomes addictive it's like sugar you know you once you taste it you have to have more and 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 that's a really good thing and once we get them to develop that positive mental attitude about about shooting then then is the time for us to communicate with them about elections and and candidates and stuff like that so it is a very important uh, uh approach that we need to have and you know what uh like like you said just before we have to be humble about it we we cannot be you know bombastic and audacious or anything we have to be humble we have to invite these people we have to make it welcoming to them and so even just because we're right doesn't mean we can be jerks <laughs> it's the way i look at it so uh we, we've got a big job out there uh but but if we embrace them help them and then we can educate them uh once they become uh, understanding that the second amendment is very important to them personally and there are hundreds of thousands of them in the state of california well yeah and you know i i honestly think that that uh political conversation is going to come up quicker uh than a lot of us might actually think Uh, i can't tell you how many times i've been out in public and i have started a conversation with somebody who is a new firearms owner who looks at me and says what the heck is this 10-day waiting period uh, you know, first, first of all, they had no idea that it existed in the first place, which means that one side of this equation has done a good job at suppressing that kind of information. But on the other hand, they were upset. Why do I have to wait? We're in a pandemic. Why do I have to wait 10, 10 days to protect myself? So I think that that uh, political conversation is going to come up really quick, and we need to be prepared uh, with our information to educate them right there on the spot while we have their attention. And uh, what it, what it's going to come down to is all being on the same platform of information. I mean, we we got this telltale sign that we were not prepared uh, when Prop 63 came in, and I think organizations like GOC and CRPA have done a great job at updating their platforms, making sure that all of the information is readily available and uh, the use of outreach to get that information out there. Uh, and, and that's what it's going to take to really start swinging elections in this state is that information. And I think one of the challenges that we're all going to have to answer with this is what actually happened was COVID-19 acted as a magnifying glass to reality. And for years, um, you know, before I came to work for the CRPA as a, a medic in the field, I had always told people, if we have the big earthquake, you're in for a rude surprise because there's not enough paramedics, law enforcement, doctors, etc., to handle the predicted load of people that would be in harm's way from that earthquake. And I think Californians have been extremely naive for decades about that and haven't taken it serious. And I think COVID brought up to people like, no, wait a second. If there's civil unrest in my little town that has 180,000 people and like a couple of cities here in Orange County, what do you mean there's only 80 cops? And, oh, only a third of them at any given time are actually in the department. What? That's not enough. And I think that's what caused a lot of people to go, wait, I do need a gun because there's just no way to protect me. And the reality is, in a major disaster, a national tragedy, there isn't enough resources to protect everybody, which is why you have to be able to be self-reliant. Well, yeah, and the magnifying glass is the important term there because, you know, up until this happened, 
that is always something that's floating out there in the ether, but this time it became real. Right. And I think it's very interesting how when it did become real, you know, the the true um you know, idea of Americanism really came out in the form of people going out and wanting to be able to protect themselves with firearms. Right. Uh, it, it actually took the politics out of it, and it just brought it down to that raw statistic of if people want to be safe, this is what they're going to do. And I, I think that was very apparent. It also brought out, guys, um, something very important. It brought out the lies that we have been uh, fighting all of these years. We need more gun control. We need more registration. We need more more training. We need more storage. We need more this and that and the other. And when they go out and buy their gun, what do you mean? Like you said, Rick, 10-day waiting period? Don't they know who I am? I'm a law-abiding citizen. I haven't had a parking ticket in, in 20 years. Why do I have to wait 10 days? What What do you mean I have to take a safety test, the firearm safety class, and, and pass a test before I, 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 I buy a gun or, or, or have one transferred to me? Uh, background checks? Uh, waiting? Why do I have to wait 10 days to get my gun to protect myself in my own home and my own business, my own travels? So they're being exposed to... We've heard all of this gobbledygook about universal background checks and loopholes and this and that and the other, and they are learning firsthand that that's a load of sheep dip that they've been fed, and that's a really good thing to open their eyes, and that's going to make them a little more willing to listen to what we've been saying because we've been telling the truth all along. Yeah, and I think that's that's going to be where it is for the you know next couple of years and actually the next decade as we as we continue to push back is realize that we have new brothers and sisters that are coming on board, and that's going to make us stronger, and that we all need to work together, and we need to reach both across lines and across age gaps and everything else because we have a lot more people that this election has pointed out that it does not matter the color of your skin, the gender, orientation, or anything else, that we have a lot more people that are just Americans, as Kevin said, and want to exercise those rights. And here on Firing Line Radio, I want to thank Sam Predis from Gunners of California for being with us today. It's always a pleasure, Sam. And thank you, Kevin, for being with us. And all of you. Always an honor, guys. And to all of you out there in Firing Line Radio, we need you to continue to support Phil Naiman and the good work he does here all the time for us. Thank you. And remember, be safe, shoot straight, and fight back for your rights. Shoot, Felipe. Shoot. <laughs> When you have to shoot, shoot, don't talk. The Firing Line Radio Show has been brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, CCW Safe, Cutting Edge Bullets, Vortex Optics, Vortex, the force of optics, and by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. AM 590, the answer.